everybody. Beasties Basic Podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. If you've been enjoying this listening experience, please subscribe. I'm icing my ankle. So how's your ankle? What's wrong with your ankle? Please tell us. What'd you do? Is it the tattoo? Is it the tattoo causing gangrene on your ankle? Ankle? No, the tattoo has nothing to do with my ankle. It was meant to be, right? You get a, you get such a horrible, shitty tattoo on your foot. It's bound to get injured, right? It's signs from, it's signs from the gods above. No, not at all. The gods above were telling me to slow down. That's mm. what they were doing. Mm. Mm. Surfing in Santa Barbara with uh, the smallest waves, I get out on the shore and get off the board and just completely twist it. So you were not even in the water when you twisted your ankle. That's just funny. Nope. <laughs> the most frustrating part about it was that it was the last wave I was getting out and just completely twisted it as I was getting off the board. Mm. So. Mm. Oh, bueno. It's been, it's been a couple of months now? Since my ankle? No, it's been like two and a half weeks. Two and a half weeks, is, yeah. I'm icing it because it's just swollen still. So did you get your, uh, did you go and get your insurance? To have it looked at by a doctor, by someone who is capable of looking at your ankle. I have a call at in like two hours to discuss my health insurance because I don't have insurance right now. So that's a new thing that needs to happen. Right, right, right. right. I mean, how long are you going to keep trying home remedies for? Right. I know. I know you. You're all about yoga, spirituality, being connected with the earth and the elements around you and whatnot, but. There's only that much that they can help you with. Even the elements are telling you that, look, you've reached peak element assistance. You got to go take medical assistance now. What do I need medical for other than an x-ray? Yeah. That's the only thing. X-ray, MRI, if, you're, if you've got some torn ligaments, muscle I mean, tear or I, something. I would wait and make sure it like, doesn't get any worse. If it gets worse, then yeah, I'll go get an x-ray, but I don't want to spend the money cool. on that. Sounds good. So, okay, listen, let's start with... Uh, Let's start with a few few months before you hurt your ankle. So, you, I mean, when I met you, you had just completely trashed your leg. And then before that, you were on your journey from the U.S. You were traveling all over South America with a grand vision of or plans of seeing South America and all of Asia. And then from there, head back towards South America for a few months. Right? Wasn't that your plan? You got well, the only the only place you have not the only place you've not been is Africa yet. Am I right? Right. But I also do need to do a Euro trip because there's a lot of countries over there that I need to see as well. And you this how long did you do this whole trip for? You spent a year, a year off? Um, no, well I was in Costa Rica for three months before I went backpacking. So the backpacking thing was for six months total. Wow. And yeah. 17 countries. I started off in South America, Central okay. South America. Okay, cool. Went to Australia, New Zealand, then did Asia and India. Yes, and yeah, yes, and yes. In Brazil, uh, we had some fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I want to start. So what was your first spot? Where did you first land after Costa? You were in three, three months in Costa Rica. And from there, where did you go next? Panama. Panama. I went to yeah the islands off of panama the northern panama caribbean side yeah it was really fun and uh did some diving there that's when i perforated my eardrum 
So that's when that happens. How do you do that? How do you, how does one even perforate their eardrum? What does it take? I, it was an accident, obviously. And I was, I think it happened when I was going up from 20 meters below. So I was pretty far down on my first, this was the second dive I'd done. And yeah, it just happened. Like when I got off on the boat, I just felt my ear completely like something was wrong. And so it started leaking water and just really bugging me. And I didn't really get to go see a doctor because there was no clinic Insurance? or anything on the Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was on an Island. Yeah. So I just, and then the electricity went out that same day. So I was just in pain all night and then it like the pain went away after a day and it just kept leaking for three weeks. So everything was fine. Other than that. That's gotta be annoying. So what basically just the pressure gets to you, Hey, you just went too deep. Equalizing like when you're going up, you're supposed to go up slow and I might've gone up too fast. Um, so yeah, just equalizing. I didn't do a very good job. And how do you, how long do they train you on the, on the ebb and flow of uh, diving and coming back up surface? Yeah. It's like a 30 minute training session right before you go out. So it was like a, exactly and imagine if just, that were to imagine if that were to happen if you were skydiving and they were like oh you know i just happened to not pull the damn parachute thing and we just ended up landing on the land flat face first actually in new zealand that was a plan i wanted to do but couldn't do that because of this eardrum issue so yeah so how, it's how all, bad is the how bad is the ear have you recovered you look like you recovered right yep i saw an ear specialist when i got back and they said it was um, closed and all good. So hopefully I can go skydiving. So hang on. So you saw an ear specialist, but you haven't had the insurance to check out your ankle? So I saw the ear specialist when I got back in December. Okay. Um, and this ankle thing happened, yeah, two and a half weeks ago. So. So, okay. Very cool. So basically yeah, you're just. Basically, I saw the doctor maybe like four or five months after the incident. Oh. Yeah. Fair enough. Little Fair enough. Baby. So nice. So, okay. So basically what we know about you is that you love travel and you're extremely injury prone, right? You're just, I don't know what I the mean, hell you keep yeah, doing to yourself. Was... Yep. Have you always been like that? Have you always been hurting yourself your entire life? Breaking fingers, I mean, legs? No, I've only sprained my ankle playing soccer twice. And other than okay. that, I haven't broken anything or damaged anything else of my body. So maybe it just happened when I was traveling, doing my adventures. Um, I've just always been a very like determined and like fun spirit, free spirited person. So mm. Mm. yeah, tell us, tell us more. Tell us more about that. So what 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 got you started on? What got you started on becoming this free spirited person to begin with? How did that kick in? When did you first want to think about trying that that space? And were you were you like that when you were growing up? Um, some, somewhat, yeah, you could say so. I mean, I was growing up in a military family, so very strict rules at first. And, um, yeah, when I went to college, that kind of went away. Um, so who in your family, who in your family, sorry, who in your family is in the military? My mom was a pilot. She flew jets, um, C-141 cargo jets. She was like the second class of women to graduate from the Air Force. And then my dad um, became a lieutenant colonel and we were stationed in yeah, Colorado, California, Italy, and then DC. So both were in the Air Force? Yes, that's where they met. And then my mom retired when my dad, um, when they settled down. So she stopped being in the military. My dad 
um, just kept being in it until he retired in 2000. Cool. Very cool. Okay. Okay. So you've had that upbringing, you know, I'm from an army family also. It's kind of interesting. I guess that relates yeah. to some of the experiences. You've, you've traveled a lot, seen different places. You're, you're good at adapting exactly. to new settings and stuff, right? Yeah, I was kind of used to that at a young age. Going to Italy at age seven was a big culture shock for me. And coming back to D.C., Washington, D.C. especially, was pretty, like, yeah, I will never forget that feeling. And um, just getting accustomed to the Washington, D.C. vibe, it's very, like, you know, political a lot of lawyers, very serious people compared to Italians. Um, so yeah, it, it was a big change when I was 10. And then growing up in that area was also very competitive and just got into sports and played soccer, like very competitive soccer. I was in like high school and a travel team. And then when I was gonna maybe try to get a scholarship for college, I gave up on that. Um, and then yeah, I went to college at Charleston because I wanted to be near beach um my heart so i went to business school in charleston south carolina and then worked corporate in dc after college for six years before i got let go and then that's when i left to go to costa rica went on a yoga retreat decided to get my yoga train training done since i hadn't been able to do that um with my corporate jobs and then um, from there, I just completely decided to travel. I didn't really have a plan on my traveling, but yeah. just went. So, so how much of how much was how much of a factor was uh, letting go of work into your decision of just you know just exploring the world for a few months? It was so easy. Like as soon as I got let go, like that same Saturday, I booked my flight to Costa Rica. Like, That's that hilarious. Really That's impulsive. Happy. You are impulsive. Yeah. yeah, very impulsive. So yeah, I was like, I knew I was unhappy. Like I didn't like what I was doing and my life and I knew I needed to change. I just didn't know how to break away. Yeah. And thankfully the universe kind of just allowed that to happen. And also two weeks before that, I broke up with my ex-boyfriend on top mm. of that. So mm. um, there was a lot of like change happening within that month of uh, December, 2018 right right very cool okay and uh and first stop was costa rica hey right yeah so i fell in love with that country um and had you ever been there before that no that was your first never. time in costa rica and you, you stayed there for three months i did a three-month volunteer work away program okay um, okay 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 gotcha so what kind of volunteer work were you doing there i was teaching yoga okay. once a day okay and helping out in the kitchen, which was my way of staying there for free, um, right, living in right. The hall, right on the beach. And yeah, I learned a lot of cooking recipes with the Latino vibes. Oh, right. Very cool. Yeah, it was fun. Um, learned how to surf there and um, fell in love with the culture there. Um, met a lot of locals. Yeah, it was not a very touristy place. So I liked being secluded um, in that where atmosphere. And then from there, yeah, my dad actually brought me my backpack and took my suitcase um, since I wasn't planning on backpacking. Um, but I left from Costa Rica, went to Belgas del Toro, Panama City was freaking crazy. Um, Tell me really about Panama it. City. Tell me what's going on in Panama. All well, I know about is the canal. Days. Yeah, I went to the Panama Canal. That was really historical and really awesome seeing like sailboats and huge cargo ships being dropped like that. Um, 
and the pride parade was happening so there was just a ton of like crazy partying latinos (laughs) (laughs) nice okay and then from there i went to colombia um and that was my first country in south america so cartagena which is like up north right on near the beach is that right yeah Santa Marta was like this beach. Um, yeah, the, like the up northern part of Colombia was my favorite part. So sure. I got to ask you now. So you're basically moving from one place to the next. I, I, you, you're obviously changing geographies, but you you keep telling me about beaches. Now, to me, one beach and the next beach and the next beach, they're all beaches, you know, unless they're surrounded by some wildlife or some forest or something. So what was so unique about these different beaches that you were stuck at or, or decided to stay put at for an extended amount of time? Yeah, I mean, I didn't like really have a plan on how long I would stay in each place, but yeah. like in each country, I tried to try to go to one beach, one city, and then like one mountain. Okay. Town. Okay. So I did that in every single country, actually. Um, and the beaches, yeah, were totally different. In Cartagena, there was actually black sand, and then. Oh hey. Yeah, and then black sand. Santa- they have black sand there. Yeah, I didn't realize that until I got you, there. You you think it's because of like some a volcanic uh, pre-existence or something? How do you, how did they get volcanic, uh, how did they get black sand there? I don't know. I should have done my research or asked around, but I was with all these people from other countries that I didn't get to really ask that question um, to a local, but um, Santa Marta had, of course, regular, you know, sand and beautiful water, clear water. Right. So it depends. Yeah. All the beaches were completely different. I mean, in Chile, it was just like freezing cold and had to wear wetsuit and so hang on pause for a second so uh where were you first what was your first spot in colombia it was so you, you, you moved to colombia colombia was your first latin south american country that you were at right and yes. then you moved to chile after that no i went like totally geographically down from like colombia to ecuador right right so let's walk in that let's let's talk in that so with each country you were walking into yeah tell me yeah country was like northern colombia i was at the top then i go down to medellin medellin um yeah okay first city in yeah south america they're actually their transport public transportation was so modern and like clean and comfortable and safe that like I don't know why everyone thinks that it's such a dangerous city when it's well really it's obviously not. funded well you know how right they're obviously funded well, the by the by the cartel how, how else right like it still it still is i mean that's never going to change but it's like people are just have this perspective of it and it's not it's changed like in the way that it's um the economy has like really ramped up and um the p there's a lot of people there but i just feel like no one's really educated on the current status as much as yeah. we should be because of narcos and all these travel really yeah. helps right travel helps people discover the places for what they really are rather than what they portrayed it as on tv or for example that's good though that's good so you got a fresh perspective on that did you make any friends there how are the locals what's uh what, what's the local vibe there like were you well, I did a, hanging yeah, out with the locals each yeah country you do a free walking tour so in the city okay so that i did every city i went to a free walking tour and that's awesome because you get to meet the local tourists and then there's like a bunch of tourists there too but then they bring you to like the local markets and you can like talk to people if you really want to get to know them so yeah um didn't really stay there that long i only stayed a few nights and then went down to 
Jardin um, and Salento, which is the coffee towns of Colombia, Southern Colombia. So I saw okay. tons of coffee plantations and did a coffee tour there. Um, and then, yeah, Ecuador. I don't know how fast you want me to go down the, because it's I mean, like let's, a lot let's, of- yeah, yeah, no, but I think it's more important than just crossing geographies. Let's learn about your uh, uh, growth as a traveler in terms of your experiences and your interaction with people, among other things, right? Let's emphasize on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so in Ecuador, like, it was completely different change. Of and this is, happening, this, this, this is first time for you, right? Like, you've never been to these countries before. No, never. Right, and exactly. I barely, I mean, I used to not really know Spanish. Like, I learned it in high school and then um, kind of was teaching myself yet again um, when I was in Costa Rica for three months, but not fluent at all. And definitely could get by easily with the Google Translate, you know, on your phone and um technology these days just helps so um that was great but other than that I was just by myself like yeah going to all these places and I'd never done anything like that in my life so that on top of like just seeing all these new places and new scenes like and like the climate change was just the most drastic thing in South America especially going from like a beach town to a city to a mountain town because it would just be yeah cold hot cold hot and my body and my mindset would have to adjust. So the fact that I got my yoga training, like right before all this was really helpful because I knew how to kind of control my like stress and like freak out if something went wrong. Cause you know, in South America, they don't really go by the rules if everything is late. Um, so you don't really know like if the bus is gonna come when it's like been 30 minutes waiting and you just have to be patient. So yoga, the yoga mindset just helped me with the traveling on my own aspect. And then the Spanish part was definitely necessary, but not required. So hang on. Now there's a lot going on in that message yet there, but I, what I want to touch upon is that uh, let's, let's disconnect the yoga a bit for a second. Let's focus on your travel and your voyages. Right. And, uh, and we will come back we'll circle all that back um, after you've spoken about your experiences. So, okay. Um, did you ever learn some dance while you were there? Oh, right. Um, the salsa. Yeah, that's, um, I didn't go to Cali, which is the capital city of salsa dancing. And I didn't go there because Medellin was just like a big city and I wanted to just get one city in each country and I didn't have too much time. So, um, I learned actually how to salsa though in Costa Rica when I was there volunteering, um, So some local guys just taught me how to dance there. And it's like definitely not what I'm used to. Let's see some moves, man. Come on, show us some moves. I'll put on some salsa right now. That's fine. That's okay. Too early early in the day. Yeah, it's like 1030 here. It's never too early to to bust a dance move. Come on. I definitely had to get out of my comfort zone and dance in a different way. I've never danced before. So it's not really my favorite, but it's fun when you're there yeah and uh and you did not have any problems with the food none of that it was not like pe- people don't really complain about the spice among other things no stomach problems i see there like it's just salsa like verde is like the only spicy things that i can recall um just tons of yeah rice and beans plantains like vegetables fruits i loved all the fruits exotic fruits i had never really tried there in South America and in Asia were very similar with the fruits. Um, spiciness is, yeah, definitely more India and Asia. 
Gotcha, gotcha. So okay, so now you're past Colombia. Where's your next spot now? Yeah, so after Colombia, Ecuador, um, very indigenous vibes there. Um, went to. Do any like of these a, people speak English? Not really. Like the hostel owners don't really speak English most of the time. And you like, were you were just you were staying at hostels. You were not doing Airbnbs or hotels. You were, no, you were basically hostels all throughout. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, yeah, I like had just turned twenty nine, and like my first hostel experience of my life. I had never lived in or stayed in a hostel before. So kind of getting back into that dorm setting was a huge um, adjustment for me as well. Um, just yeah having to sleep in with all these backpackers tell me some crazy uh dorm stories at these hostels i mean it just would be disgusting what you see sometimes um just like co-ed um just the smells it's really uh, just the smells and like yeah i had an incident where a girl had sex below me and on the bunk bed and wouldn't stop after I told them to stop. And I was just like, okay, I guess I'm going to leave. Wait, no, they were, they were doing it while you were still on, on the upper bunk. I was on the upper bunk and they came in really late, you know, yeah. I got woken up and I was like, uh, can you guys stop? Like I literally told them to stop because it's pretty obvious what they were doing. Cause they would like, do it and then they would stop. And then oh, do it that's, again. So, that's so funny. That's so what funny. The fuck are you doing? yeah so i was like can you stop and then they wouldn't and it just pissed me off yeah that was like the worst situation Come on, you gotta let the lovebirds have fun you should have just walked out of that situation and, and i ended and... up doing that yeah i had to because people right, are right, so right, right. um right yeah so that's what happened then <laughs> that's <laughs> funny that's hilarious okay you know i'm always a... i'm always wondering if, if that even happens at hostels where people are you know you're sharing a common space and then suddenly you see a couple is fucking like how does that even make sense but they're doing it they do it it's true it happens and i was like okay it hasn't happened to me this was in australia too so it was like one of the last hostels i kind of stayed in um, right because after that i was staying in more airbnbs in australia not new zealand um south america was a lot of yeah and also i had to switch between like co-ed dorm rooms to like private rooms like i would pay a little bit more for private yeah. rooms just yeah yeah, yeah in my space makes sense for sure so then after that um you did what did you do argentina you did argentina after yeah, we did so after you did brazil after ecuador i did peru and how is peru peru is peru i've heard is good lima lima right yeah. lima, is, is lima was really well-established awesome. city yeah artsy hipster vibes in lima hipster vibes hey interesting yeah i would never have thought of that okay i know um and yeah, obviously did Machu Picchu and um, didn't hike it up, but um, totally worth it. Did um, you indulge in some ayahuasca trips while you were there? I wanted to, but didn't get around to it. How come? Do you not well, see people hustling yeah, over there people, like, yo, come over here and try our ayahuasca trip? You know? would ask, that would be like the biggest talk of the town is like, really? I'm going to do that. Okay. And it's like, I didn't, I didn't know about it before I entered South America. It's that and, pervasive. Interesting. I didn't think that people yeah. would be so public about this there. Okay. Yeah. And it's like actually a, like a four day thing. Like it's not like you can go and do it in one day. So it's, you have to have time to do it and you have to have the right people or the right instructor. Like, and you have to do research mm. on that. And I didn't mm. have really time to do that because I was mm. kind of just trying to see as much as I could yeah. in as little time as possible. Did you see any wildlife? Yeah. In South America, there was not, well, actually, okay, so after Peru, then I went to Bolivia, and that's where I did the salt desert, um, Uyuni, 
and saw like flamingo. I like how you're so very, very, uh, very so coolly switched from wildlife to doing salt deserts. Like, there's no connection there. No monkeys running well, around in the salt desert. The, but yeah, let's just drop that in. Okay, cool. We're in the middle of. We're this, at the like, salt little... deserts. So let's tell us, tell us about the salt deserts. How come you didn't show us any of these photographs? Could you please put this up on your blog? I mean, it's on the blog. Okay. It's on tourism.com and it's on my Instagram and Facebook. Whatever. No social media here. It's been almost a year and a half, dude. Okay, yeah. Can we talk about that at some point? Because there maybe later, be a- for sure. Maybe later. <laughs> Another fucking app. I'm so sick of Instagram. Maybe later. Um, okay. No. So okay. So you're doing the salt flats. This is still in Peru. Bolivia. Bolivia. You've never have you never heard of Iuni? I don't know. Like Tell us what this is. What is this? The like biggest salt does. That's like where they make. That's where all the salt comes from, pretty much. Not really. Yeah. I mean, you get salts from the Himalayan mountains. You get natural salts yeah. from everywhere. You know. But it's the biggest like space of like this salt. I've seen Bolivia. photographs. I've seen photographs where people are at a distance, and you know they're you know they're, yeah, they're trying like, to hold their. It, it appears as if the guy is standing on their hands or something. You know. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah. That wasn't even my favorite part. Like I, the my favorite part was seeing the flamingos in the lagoon. Oh, for um, real? Okay, flamingos. Nice. Of, yeah, nowhere. It was just like very out there, like in the middle of Bolivia. So kind of like you know, not scary, but in a way, like if the car broke down, like I don't know, like it was just I was like alone with people that I didn't know and just in this like very remote place. So. Um, that was probably like, and it was a five day like trip to get there. So gotcha, gotcha, guys. So the car breaks down. Good. What do you guys do? Yeah, and you know it's just very. Um, it's South America, so not a lot of things are well established. And um, yeah, everything fun, exciting up- though. Hey, exciting, exciting. Um, yeah, it's all a risk. What did so. you guys do then? Like, did you did your car break down? It didn't, but I was just in my head thinking if, like if, if it were to happen. Yeah, it was yeah. and there was um, there were some hot springs we did there as well. Um, just very remote, you know, just in the middle of this like big land, this big space, and um, wildlife was just like a little different there than I had. That's what I'm trying to remember. If there was like any other type of animals that I experienced there, I can't really think of any. But then. Yeah, once I got to Brazil, it was like those white-faced monkeys that I had seen in Costa Rica, similar to, um, but other than that, I think the most amount of animal wildlife was definitely Central America. So I saw I saw some really cool wildlife in Brazil, you know, so this was the day I was going to the uh, Cristo Redentor, right, obviously. And so you, the, the statue itself is in a wildlife reserve, right? So on my way on my way uh, down after having seen the Christ, right? We're in the bus and the bus pulls over and no one knows what's going on. And the bus driver suddenly just gestures. He's speaking Portuguese and he's looking to the side. Everyone looks out their window and there's a sloth there looking back at us smiling, just just sitting there, right? And just moving side to side. I'm like, wow, I've seen a sloth for the first time in my life. That's, it's just, who would have thought I'd see a sloth, you know? Yeah. But that was just so cool to see that. And then... I saw these macaques, right? We were in, uh, I did a day tour of uh, Rio, uh, just no, just outside of Rio, there's a section there where they take you and these monkeys are just running around off of these cables, you know, it's like, they're, they're not even in, like, I've only seen macaques in a zoo, but here they were out in the open. Wild, running around. Yeah. yeah, it was it was so beautiful to see that, but it's, that was my, 
that was my wildlife experience in Brazil. Having been yeah. inside a uh, uh, inside a reserve, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I saw saw for the first time in Panama. I was biking, and it was I just saw it on the side of the road, and I was so excited because it was just me and the sloth, and that was it. <laughs> just you and the sloth, both it taking a moment, me. both taking a time yeah. out, and just staring at each other. All right, good, good stuff. Panama. But Australia has yes, the most. Of course, of that course. Like, wow, kangaroos, koala bears. And you were uh, more mobile there, right? You were driving, or was that New Zealand? Yeah, that was so much driving. Because in South America, I did buses. So I only flew. So the whole time I did buses besides Panama to Colombia, I had to fly. Then Bolivia to Brazil, I had to fly. Brazil, I went to those waterfalls, the biggest waterfalls other than... Uagu Uagu Falls, I think. Uagu, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like in between Argentina and Brazil. Correct. Right at the border, right? It's way north. Yeah. It was really neat. Um, yeah, we did a safari. I did like a safari boat cruise with um, actually the girl that you know, Chantel. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember. Cop, the police. police yeah, woman. Yes, yes. Up me in Iguazu and we did the waterfalls together and that was really fun. Um, and then, yeah, Argentina, I did, did Buenos Aires, which was very European, um, South American feeling. So Buenos Aires a lot of like really good food little like little neighborhoods like different vibes i didn't like love it but yeah the steak was just delicious right um, so, yeah, yeah it's known for its wine trip, and I'm, wine and red meat right that's what it's known for yeah the so i was like a vegetarian before all this and then i was like okay I'm uh, how long did that last <laughs> a week right yeah no it didn't Not last even. yeah mm -hmm. nice nice Good, good yeah. stuff. So now, Argentina, I'm, I'm going to try and get back to Brazil when this, this whole thing, pandemic, dies down. I really want to go back and maybe just explore more of the nature there. There's so much, like, I want to well, see the Amazon. Patagonia. I yeah, Patagonia, Patagonia, for sure. I want to do the Amazon, see Argentina, yeah. see uh, Chile. I just did in um, Ecuador, actually, and that's where I saw or, like, held a snake around my neck. I'm not interested in holding snakes. I'm sorry. That just doesn't do it for me, you know? I might rather uh, hang out with monkeys. There's tarantulas, there's scorpions, all those things. In no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good with that. I'm yeah. I'd, rather, I'd rather eat a deep-fried tarantula, and you know? I'd rather just eat some spiders. I'm good with that, but I don't want to yeah, hang out with a spider. You can go eat those. Right, 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 right. I've seen those, those big black spiders. They deep fry and they no. sell them on the streets, right? No, thank you. Really? Yeah, Interesting. So that, so that freaks you out, but you're okay with hanging out with snakes. That's funny. That's yeah, funny. I won't see a fucking spider. Um, but yeah, after Buenos Aires, I went to Chile. And that's yeah. where I was staying. The beach was freezing. and, um, But it was like, I don't know. The people in Chile are very friendly. Out of all of South America... I feel like it was Peru, Chile, and um, Colombia. Okay. With most friendly locals. Really? Yeah. So what did they did they invite you over to their homes? Maybe come have a homestay type of a meal experience. Come oh, let, yeah, let, let us show you what it's like. Let us take you some local mm -hmm. shopping or something. Yeah, I met this one girl in Bolivia, and she's from Chile, and so I met up with her in Chile because I was um, meeting up with her after the fact and. She showed me this whole town that I had never, that I wasn't going to go to, but she told me to come with her to this like surfing town. So we did some surfing there. Then she invited me back to her place. Um, so she like showed me her, her whole setup and her, she introduced me to her mom and her sister. And this was right before I was flying to New Zealand. So it was like my wow. last. Cool. My right? last Very cool. 
experience before New Zealand. Yeah. So then um, I get to New Zealand and it's a huge culture shock because I can yeah. speak English. Right. Speak English and all these serious people and very different vibes. So yeah, New Zealand was a lot of driving. Um, I did the North and the South Island in like two weeks. So it was just like a lot of driving, solo driving. I rented cars there and juicy rental car company there in Australia. Um, so Australia was also a lot of driving down the coast. So what was the biggest culture shock for you when you were to compare the US with South America and then with the Australian continent? Yeah, it was not as big with Australia. I mean, Australians are, yeah, I already like had met a couple, but they just love to party. It was a lot of partying in Australia. Um, just the, the water is very clear there. I enjoyed snorkeling with the coral reef. Um, the animals were awesome to see. Like I said, I went to that zoo. Um, what's his name? Um, the famous guy that- Irwin, Steve Irwin. Yes, that guy. I went to his zoo and saw a bunch of animals there. Uh, you would hope so. Isn't that what zoos are? So, uh, unless you see human beings behind cages there, that could be a zoo too. Well, they had different types of animals. Like I could hold a koala bear and I was right. really happy about that. Right, right. Any red snappers there by any chance? No. You can get, find those in Brazil. <laughs> Right, 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 right. So, okay, so koalas, a lot of driving in New Zealand and Australia. And yep. uh, as opposed to using public transport in countries where public transport sucks balls. Oh, yeah, you can't really, I could, I don't know, I didn't, yeah, I just some people told me to rent cars because it would be cheaper than buses and there's no trains. So I did that instead and it worked out perfectly fine. Okay, fair enough. And then the flights. Yeah, the flights were the probably the most expensive part. So it was like 700 to get from Chile to New Zealand. It's quite the distance too, though, right? Like you're looking at at least a 10-hour flight, I'm guessing? Yeah, eight hours, something, yeah, something like that. No, Approximately, give or take a few, yeah. Yeah, so then after Australia was um, Singapore, my first country in Asia. I've never been to Asia before, and it was a good, like, leadway into the Asian culture because it was so clean and, you know, corporate feel. A lot of rules there. And I stayed with more so, there. More so than the U.S., right? They're pretty particular about how things are done. It's yeah. Like, like I Germany of, so. Would you consider it, like, the Germany of Asia? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Right, 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 right. But it's good, though. It's good that you have that option. You know, it's like first world mm -hmm. experience in Asia. Asia, people don't associate Asia with first world experiences, right? No, yeah, no. And then, yeah, once to Indonesia or Thailand, no, Bali. Yeah, Bali after that, Indonesia. That's where I got in the motorcycle accident. I've heard good things. I've heard good things about Bali. I've heard nothing but like everything good about Bali. Beautiful places, oh, beautiful beaches. I would a whole like, lot of tourists a whole lot of tourists there you go so if you are not like phased by like all the people then it's your scene but for me it was just a little too many tourists a lot of europeans go there to vacation and i mean the food was just very healthy but i didn't really get the cultural like feel of the food because it was so tourist like it grabbing that like they would just make like these healthy smoothies you know that you can find in america and like any other country but gotcha. i didn't 
get the culture that I did in South America. Everything is driven from the tourist standpoint. They try to retain you as long as possible kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, cool. There, especially. So, you know, so this, this, all this sounds like a whale of an experience that you sort of put together. I think very few people have the means to do what you did or the time to do what you've done. So if there were something that, you know, you were to take for the rest of your life, right? Like what is, what is the one thing that you saw happen to you that you're happy to share with us as a, as, as like, you know, as, as a life experience or something that you've learned about yourself, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, um, getting out of my comfort zone was definitely the most beneficial part of it. Just like being by myself for the first time in a whole nother country, like uncomfortable and having to figure things out, make my own decisions. Like it really made me realize my thought process and like how I make decisions. So like learning about that was beneficial. And then um, just like the social norms of my society here in America and getting out into the world was just an eye-opening experience. My perspective has completely changed as just as a human being in general from like the yoga training and then traveling to these different places, seeing these different lives you can live in these cultures that are just so different. And um, yeah, it's just a whole learning experience in itself, like the experience, but also just, yeah, personally, um, learning about myself um, and like my, the way that I am, like when I am alone, instead of having like other people backing me up is just a whole nother um, feeling that I don't think a lot of people experience um, maybe in their lives, really. I mean, I don't think a lot of people do um, take the risk to get out of their comfort zone or out of like the safety net of what's normal in their society, wherever you are. So, you know, uh, what you're saying is that you're just more sure of yourself as a woman and, and with all these experiences, you know where you stand and you just have a better idea of who you are is what you're telling me. A lot of people Pretty- that a lot of people that go to college say the same thing. People that go to university or a four-year school, they, 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 that's the first time they're ever being independent, leaving the nest, quote unquote, you know, having to do things for themselves. They, they say the same thing at that point in time. So now how was, how, was dif- how was this different from from that, uh, excuse me, how was this different from that experience for you? Yeah, because that experience, you're forced into it. Like, I didn't really have a decision with that. I just like was supposed to do the steps, like high school, college job. That was like already, already planned out for me. And this experience was more like my own doing of what does Audrey want to do for her life? Um, and like actually doing it myself on my own terms. And that's why it was like more eye-opening because it was like what I felt passion for instead of what people thought I would want to do with my life. Makes sense. Cool. That's something you could appreciate for sure. Um, Yeah. I'm, I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to do it. And I know a lot of people don't because you do need like the time, the energy and the money and those three things. If you don't have those three things, then you can't really do what I just did um time for sure time time for sure a lot of people are in their rat race they're working they know not many people can take uh that much time off yeah to to be very honest unless you're unless yeah unless you're working wherever you're traveling to unless you're working wherever you're traveling to that's it's just so unhealthy and it's so bad that I think I was just frustrated from that life and I was finally free and liberated and didn't have commitments where I could just finally do whatever I wanted 
and I had saved up this money from working so hard on, yeah, saving money. Very cool. Have you blown everything up or you still have some savings left? Tiny bit of savings, but yeah, pretty much blown use, up. Use about a tenth of that saving to go get yourself some health insurance. That should be your first priority. It's free here, remember? If you're unemployed. Uh, and hilarious. I am help with the pandemic um, assistance program. So they oh, have- Great, great. Squeeze every, every inch out of the system as much as you can, as long as you can. Yeah, for sure. So I pay my taxes. So I want to ask you about something that's very important to you, and that's yoga. You, how long you've been doing yoga for? Okay, well, this is an important question, but um, you could say in Western world, um, ten years, fifteen years. You've been doing yoga for fifteen years since I was in college. So after soccer, I found yoga. That's amazing! College. Wow. That was like 18, 19, 10, So tell us 12. about. So tell us about that initial phase when you first saw yoga after soccer and you're like, okay, what, what were your learnings and, and, and practices then like? I just loved the aspect of like challenging myself in a physical way. And it was kind of mental too. But for me, I didn't realize the mental aspect until after. Like I, um, I started in college in Charleston. And then when I came to DC, I got into the whole rat race. So yoga was like a way of getting out of that rat race and kind of having my own time to myself for the first time in the day. And um, once I realized these benefits after that happened with my job, I decided to get my training done so that I could learn more about the like background of yoga and where it came from. And that's why I did that for in Costa Rica for a month, I did the training and learned about it. And then I also did the training in India um, at the end of this backpacking trip. So that basically you, that basically makes you a certified practitioner, right? Like you could open up a school and teach people now, officially. Well, I can't really. Open, yeah, maybe I could open up some. I'm a 200 hour, if you want to just label it, 200 hour. I understand. Hour, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, um, in India, like I did a hundred hour training too. But for me, I've been practicing every day for maybe one year now. Before that, I didn't practice every day. So I just went to the classes. I did the physical part. I didn't yeah. do the whole yogic part of the meditation pranayama because I didn't know it. So if people were to ask you about the differences between what you learned as a, in, while at university versus what you took at these teacher training lessons, is it just the uh, literature, the theory, the, uh, the universe of the spirituality aspect that's the missing component or are there other factors also? Um, I learned more about myself and the spirituality-ness of just life um, with yoga and with college and education. It was nothing like that at all. So, so what were the key, what were the key differences? I mean, um, it was really just getting by in college for me. I was just like trying to just get the, the grades and get graduated that was pretty much all I was going for and I like enjoyed business but I didn't have like I went in undecided because I was not really sure of what I wanted so I obviously didn't really know myself at the age of 18 um, and when I went to college I learned a little bit more about myself but like not enough so you go through the stages of like learning literature and all these different things you're studying for your degree but then like what do you want to do after you graduate they don't really like it's not really as easy as it sounds or what they make it out to be because like 
I meant There's... more in terms of the differences in the schools of thought for yoga. So when you were practicing yoga in, in uh, college, yeah, specifically that versus when you compare it to, you know, enrolling into an institution for several hours. And oh, when you're practicing that, yeah. yoga in college, you mean like going to classes. So I would mm -hmm. go to like a class and just take the workout. That was like a workout for me. It was very, very like physical, um, not really, yeah, mental. So when I did the training and I learned about it, it was more, they talked about different aspects of yoga, like chakras, energy channels, and like pranayama and like the whole physical and mental aspect of the body and mind, the balance. So very different than actually like just taking the class as a student, as opposed to learning about it and like practicing it in your own terms. Um, it's very different. Right, 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 right. So did that make a big difference for you? Did you did that did that feel like it was adding some value in terms of or you could have just practiced yoga for a couple of years and achieved the same level of flexibility and it wouldn't matter? No, it does definitely matter. I think anyone who does yoga should try to go to a training and they don't have to be sort of like a teacher after the training. They just should understand it because there's so much that is into this philosophy of yoga in general and the meaning of it. But if you don't really care about it, then just get the workout done and that's all you need. But if you really want to dig deep and get the real benefits out of it, then go to a training. It doesn't have to be long. It can be three weeks. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So what was, what was some of the key uh, learnings for you at the school here where you were learning about yoga and the, and the theory that they teach you among other things? In India, it was mostly, I did like a meditation and pranayama training. So they just, I did a lot of Ayurvedic. Um, they were talking a lot about the Ayurvedic diet and like, yeah, the doshas and like learning about my dosha and like just my physical physique and like what I should be eating based on that and like very different than like what I learned in the western training in Costa Rica where it was more like um how to teach the asanas and the physical like um postures as opposed to like yeah the diet that India was training me on so those were like the two differences gotcha uh, okay so diet plays a key role in becoming a better yogi is that is that what you're telling me yeah, because it's balancing all of like the mentality and the body, physical body and the, the heart, the spiritualness. I got a lot of more of the spirituality aspects and like the training in India for sure than I did in the other one because they were just like trying to get you through like their way of teaching was like books like you do in college. And in India, they taught very differently as like using examples and like not giving the answers to you you had to like question the concepts and the philosophies and theories so it was definitely sounds good, intense yeah it was and it was like at the very end of my backpacking trip so i was exhausted um but it was definitely eye-opening and i actually was like wondering why it's so male dominant in india and so female dominant in western world and it just like it makes sense but it just i don't know how it hasn't really shifted I, do you want to expand on that? That just flew over my head real quick. Well, what do you mean by that? So, yeah, what's, not the connection, a lot what's the connection with the yoga? You know, what we were talking about earlier. Well, because um, all the gurus, you know, that you'd go in these, in Rishikesh, you go to these yoga trainings in the capital, yoga capital of the world. And there's just these men there. There's no women that are teaching the yoga. They're just there helping out. And I find it a little ironic that it's like a lot of male dominant yoga 
yogis in India that I was yeah. seeing and a lot of women. And here in the Western world, it's all women. There's like that very few male dominant places where there's yoga here. So it just is very ironic in that way. What are your thoughts on that? Why do you think that is the case? Well, because here the women are, we've just come farther than in the Eastern world. What do you mean farther in terms of what? And But the men like, in the Western world are not as evolved as the women? No, I'm saying the women are, have advanced more in society here than they have there because of culture. But do you, do, of, you see, do you see male yogis in the U.S.? Or in the Western world? It's starting, it's starting to get more comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. um, they're starting to get more comfortable. Like, but yeah, why was that not the case earlier? Why were there always women that were into the, the yoga you know, universe? Because men just thought it was a stretching thing and just like the stereotype. And um, they were probably afraid of this, like being like looking at women in their leggings and bras, you know, just the whole stereotype of like, it was something that only women did so it was kind of like a right yeah it was, just, yeah it was not yeah. considered macho is that is it right i guess yeah it's not like you're taking like kickboxing or taekwondo or like those other yeah types of like asian based so like, asian men understood the value of stretching and breathing and, and among other things as opposed to getting their head bashed in while playing football yeah i guess so yeah you could compare it like that like okay. the male version here is yeah sports like football and basketball and yeah the competitive like sport and then more macho-esque at least what they appear or ufc for example as opposed to it's funny how breathing and, and yoga is now very it's an interesting intrinsic component of all these elite athletes i think a lot of them if you were they to ask it. them if you were to ask them, them they'd probably they'd probably admit that they do some stretching some form of yoga some breathing deep breathing exercises meditation for sure yeah for sure. I mean, breath work. I've seen so many interviews, especially with elite athletes or surfers. You know, some of these guys, they, they talk about the importance of breath work or practicing breathing underwater. Mm -hmm. And that really augments your ability to breathe outside of the water. You know, so it's, it's amazing. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And it clears your whole brain, like in just one way of breathing. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. how. It so have you been, you, you said you've been practicing every day, hey? Yeah. For, yeah. How long do you do this for? At least an hour. And how much of that one hour is comprises of breathing, breath work, and then the rest stretching, toning, dog poses, whatever. Asana postures, yeah. I mean, it's like at least 45 minutes of the asanas and then like 20, 30 minutes of the meditation pranayama. Have you heard of a guy called Michael Seeley? Mm, no. Michael Seeley pretty good stuff no. that guy puts me to sleep like that like, like that yeah so i started meditation with like headspace because i didn't know how to meditate before these yeah. trainings and yeah, yeah. Helpful. And it came out with calm app and all these apps but yeah they're helpful but i feel like people just don't really understand the concept of meditation so um so what is the, what is what is meditation according to audrey abshire please tell us like just listening to your thoughts and seeing what comes up and letting them kind of go. Um, but just sitting there literally with what your mind is trying to tell you, but not 
listening to anything else. So I think listening to someone talking to you to concentrate on that is helpful, but like in the end, it doesn't get to the root like cause of meditation, which needs to be like very silenced within your own self. So it's good. It's good to help. Like there's, there's all these tools that you can use, but yeah. I feel like at the, end of the day, it's the person that needs to do the work. And not a lot of people understand that. And like, it's just, yeah. I mean, I, for me personally, it's, it's, you know, it's a realization that it's always about you as the, as the individual, right? You got to understand and accept that this is something that you want to do. And mm -hmm. not, not do it just because you're telling someone else in the conversation that, oh, I do this as a practice, right? Because it's, yeah. if, if, you do, if you do it, topic. if you do it, you're going to automatically see the benefits and you wouldn't even feel the need to announce to another, another person that you meditate because they'll see it on you, on your person, and they'll see the differences on your physical self from who you were yeah. earlier prior to meditation to who you've become now with meditation among other mm -hmm. things, or breathing exercises. Because it changes you, right? It just completely, it and, you, and you feel it. Yeah. You feel a complete physiological response. Your, your, your thoughts, it's like a trip, right? You just completely chill. You're in the zone. Nothing phases you. Emotionally, you're better capable of responding to stressful situations. Yep, yep. You can yeah. focus more. It's or distractions. Like so which is why it's come out so much lately with this pandemic I guess but it just in general that's what I was saying was that like yeah the fact that I knew how to meditate on my own during that backpacking trip was like the most beneficial aspect yeah nice good to know very good tell me about your your tryst with social media what's the problem there again what did you want to talk about well you know you're like when you're traveling you're trying to share your experiences and all that stuff but to me, it's like, it's, it's come, yeah, social dilemma. I don't know if you've watched it, but um, really hit home because I'm just so sick of it. Like, I don't really know what to do about it, but I know that there needs to be a change and like, there needs to be another app because this <laughs> app is an app way. to help you an app to help you get <laughs> off of social media. <laughs> I mean, funny. it doesn't need to be like social media. It can be like something else that like people are more obsessed with than Instagram or yeah I don't know I, I didn't ever have Twitter um but I don't did you ever have Twitter I did but I didn't know how to use it and then I realized it became a news thing and I got off because it's like I don't want to use something I get my news from real news sources I don't need to use Twitter for although, although it's although it's interesting because now people are actually quoting twitter for the news articles you know it's it's, it's it's changed obviously it's evolved right people use twitter to announce things before they before it's they get their press before they get their press staff to find out about those uh, pieces of information you know so it's it's interesting things have evolved obviously it's it, not what it used yeah. to be no it's not and no app is ever going to stay the same as when it was launched so yeah i mean i'm just frustrated in the sense that yeah technology in general is completely evolved our like society as humans in general and like i don't know but there's obviously needs to be a change but you know technology is nothing wrong with technology technology is something human beings have created ever since we know life in general that's right. what we do it's right that's what we do what do we do if there was so, one question about five ten years like robots then what what's in our future like not, yeah more technology more technology more changes more evolution to that because that's what we've done think about it we're, we're, how old is human race on earth as we know it maybe what 500 600 700 years a thousand years that's not that long that's three generations right 
And what was okay. the first, what was the first piece of technology that we know documented? Fire, wood, stones, knives and daggers. Again, that's human beings created technology to make life simpler, survival, right? And ever yeah. since then, ever since then, you've noticed some form of evolution of technology, whether it's a watch on your wrist that was analog and that's become digital or a hairband on your wrist that helps you keep your long hair at the back. Among other things, these are all survival tools that people have been creating, cool. yeah, right? Definitely. And that's what technology is, a laptop, internet. Can, can you imagine what life would be like without internet at this day and age? Are you kidding me? This is instant, instant live images. Trans For being sure. transmitted in cables underneath the ocean, God knows where. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Just understand the the magnitude of what we're accomplishing right now, right? I so know. you gotta you gotta appreciate that. And then I am appreciating. In terms of, so in terms of future, it's that that answer should answer itself because that's what people do. People find they discover technology and technology more so and more so. And then there's a law at the speed at which you discover technology obviously increases you know yeah um, but the time that we're on technology the way we're using yeah. technology right is so that, that's a good point that's a good point i think it's really important to remember that technology should be considered as a tool like for example a hammer or a knife or, or a saw you use it as a tool only when you need it to hammer a nail into the wall you don't always carry you don't, yeah you don't always carry a hammer walking around the city oh i got a hammer in my back pocket just in case you need it you don't know you don't so do now that. each individual human being has to decide how to use these tools that are given to them from day one i mean i'm afraid to even have kids because i don't know how to parent a kid that has to be on social you'll media figure, on listen you're you'll figure all these things out i think there are a couple of things that are just you, women are born naturally with is the instinct of motherhood. That shouldn't be a, a, a point of concern just yet. But yeah, if you look at the trends and if you look at the uh, environments that the average kid is raised in, they have a lot of exposure. They, they have easy access, right? Among other things. It's, I think access can be controlled. But it starts it's, with the parents, right? Parents need to know the ramifications and of... Right. And then, uh, and, and I think also the, the manufacturers of these tools, like for example, Instagram, the makers of Instagram, Facebook, these guys will have to, you know, sooner or later realize that people are leaving their platforms because they understand the dangers of the pitfalls of this addiction, mm -hmm. of this addiction algorithm that they've created. So bad. Right? But what are you feeling? Are you feeling like withdrawals or something? Like, what <laughs> are you, are you in a state of, in a state of uh, paradigm I, shift right now? I was on it so much during my travels and yeah. now I like feel like I have to be on it, but I shouldn't have to feel that way. Correct, correct, correct. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I got off. I mean, I posted all my photographs and when I got back from visit, I'm like, you know what? This doesn't interest me, I, I'm bored. It doesn't interest me anymore. I'm not interested in finding out how many people saw my photograph. It just doesn't make, it doesn't interest you know, me anymore, no, you know? For me, it's a personal thing to go back and look at those photos, like a memory of like my time there and like yeah, I like yeah. seeing highlights and stuff like that. But but now, you save your like, photographs in your phone, don't you? Yeah, it's all on Google Photos, and yeah, you can go and like look, scroll through that. But it's like the whole app, like the whole fun of it was like posting it and sharing it with friends and family so they can see what I was doing, and like that's the whole point of Instagram in general is to like share what's yeah. happening 
yeah you're doing and now it's become so much more than it should be but that's why I'm part of it because I don't want to have to like feel like I have to post something just because I'm doing something like boring honestly and, and you know the more I learned about how our information just exists on the internet it's forever first of all it's permanent right and then oh, yeah. the more you understand about privacy the more you understand about uh how valuable your personal information is for these companies, the more you, it's the, the decision becomes that much more easier for you to just switch it off. Well, right? yeah. It's just that because but everything sure. is just, everything, everything is recorded. Everything is stored on their servers. You know? I worked in the domain space. Remember my last job was in um, internet. So okay. I was educated on like the privacy aspect of SSL. So, you, so yet you made the decision to give away all that information to a company like Instagram. That's funny. That's hilarious. I mean, it's, no, it's like you can't control that because society yeah. has allowed all this to happen. So it's not like in my control. To it's like being it. back in high school. It's like, shall, should we be part of the cool hip crowd or, or just be independent and ignore that noise? Yeah, I guess you could say that. Um, but what if I want to like see what my friends are doing? You pick up the phone. Than... You have the phone number. You yeah, call them it. and have a Skype. You know, have a Skype call or a FaceTime or a Zoom call. Is, you know, you know, texting now. It's like I also like okay. So voice message like with WhatsApp. They didn't have that. They don't do that here in America. So that was my first experience in Central and South America was voice message. And I was like having to listen to myself talk for the first time, which was also very different and uncomfortable. And then now it's like, I prefer it so much more because you're talking and you have to be true to yourself with your voice and what you're saying in one sentence rather than like typing it out and like being um, through the text rather than the voice and it really just hits home when like I just would rather talk to a person and hear them rather than like just go by like an emoji or by a text yeah. message yeah yeah for sure it's, such, know, it's a different right it's different the communication aspect is just lost so I don't know I, I think it's it has a lot of benefits but also just in general I never like texting so that might just be me but um, a lot of people don't like texting. A lot of people are old school that want to pick up the phone and hear actual voice, right? But the yeah. thing about these audio notes is that you can you can get that feature of a telephone, but not have the other person respond immediately. The other person can respond whenever they want, and they can receive that message whenever they have the time to receive that yeah. message. So there's that flexibility of a text message there, which is really good. Yeah. It's a great concept, if you ask me. In between, between yeah, a phone call and a text. It's right. great. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I got sick. Of, so I, I use Facebook still. It allows me to list my uh, blood donation opportunities. So I'm a blood donor, right? So that's mm -hmm. the only reason why I keep getting these shout outs that, okay, so-and-so in such and such hospital needs blood. If you're capable, come donate. And I donate once every three months. You're not allowed to donate more than that once every yeah. quarter. So I can, I, can, I, can, I can bounce those messages off and tell other people that, look, if you're in that area and you're capable help these guys out, donate some blood. And, um, and that's it. I, I don't post anything anywhere. I've deleted Instagram. Um, what else? I don't use Twitter. How did you feel after that? Like, I felt, like I felt like, okay, so immediately I was, I was like, I just did not know what I was experiencing. Emotionally, I had no idea what I was experiencing. I was like, okay, I've made the, I've made the big decision of breaking away from the curve and doing something different from rest of the like people around me. They were, they, they were, because 
everybody else was on Instagram. I was the only person not on Instagram, right? Yeah. So I was like, okay, maybe something may happen. Maybe there'll be some retribution or whatnot, but none of that. There was absolute silence for about a couple of days. And then the third day and the fourth day and the fifth day, I'm like, man, I don't feel the need to. I feel so, I felt so light, light hearted, light on my feet and my thoughts, not having to look at the Instagram, not having to post anything and respond to any comments. None of that. It didn't matter. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, what it really did for me was filter out who the people that were really interested in my life and wanted to know more about me. They were messaging mm -hmm. call me anyways. So they right. didn't, you know. Really fell right after that, I'm sure. And everybody else was just noise. They, it didn't matter, you know. They didn't need to exist for me. If they wanted to find out about me, they could call me. They have my number. Or they could email me. They have my email. Or they could find, my, find out about they, me through somebody else. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's the pressure. It's a lot of pressure on people in general just to have it. Like, it's like, like high school. It's like high school pressure all over the peer pressure just to be part of that. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And that kind of happened to me when I got to Costa Rica in February because I didn't have an iPhone. So like, I, I don't know, I could tell who my true friends were just by not having um, contact with social media without having service because I was in the jungle for four months without really good service so people that actually cared would message me in text message or whatever rather than like Instagram like you know message me so I know what you're saying when you when you know who your true friends are at this age honestly that's you just need a few and you're good because now you're if you're if you're someone who you know who you are you're more sure of yourself I think now you want to just explore and use your time to discover the world, discover life opportunity, make a lot of money, get busy and evolve as a person. You don't need gossip. You need gossip less for survival. You need gossip less for entertainment, for example. You know, there's there so much drama here in America, just in general with like politics and every like- Politics is a good thing. Politics, don't get me wrong. Politics can be very informative and, and add positive value to somebody. But I think the climatic conditions right now in this day and age, they're not the healthiest, as, at least for the U.S., for sure. Yeah, uh, no. But they've been very dynamic. I think American politics is, you imagine, it's like a global phenomenon. Everybody looks up, pays attention, they follow, because it impacts everybody on a, on a, on a, on a, on a, on a, not just entertainment value, but also a libertarian value, right? The principles that the United States upholds, people want, people want to emulate that, right? They copy that. Because they, they want it for themselves. They can't have it. But what we talk about is the drama aspects. Correct. The that's, news, that's just, that's just the, Fox like, News it's entertainment. You know? It's such a waste of time for me. And it's very frustrating. And that's when it comes like the drama aspect. I can't do it anymore. I don't talk about politics because of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I, I understand. So that's why we don't, you know, I don't try and bring politics into this. None of my podcasts have done politics yet. First of all, I don't know enough about politics to have a full podcast session on politics. That I wouldn't do that. I'm not Very a politician. I'm more in tune with economics. I, I like it. I enjoy it. So I, I, I follow it to a certain degree. I'm really into AI and uh, machine learning. So I have some friends that are scientists in this domain and I bring them on board and we have a one-on-one -on -one every now and then. Uh, mm -hmm. I have a couple of friends in Brazil from college, some of my childhood friends. I, I'm just in touch with them. And they each, each of them brings a good story, a good value add, personal experiences. Some of them are fathers. So I want to ask them about father, for example. AI? Like, huh? What's going on with AI nowadays? 
oh, there's a bunch in terms of just their ability to use that technology to forecast, right? And mm -hmm. and they and the so earlier it was just used for regression, so forecasting basically in terms of finding out whether or not um, certain things could be used to decipher if something was possible, like an But environmental like a hurricane or like something hurricane like earthquakes for example geologists would use that right but now right. now what's happened is with social media and the mm -hmm. use of use of internet there's just data is so easily available yeah right so with with easy access to data and lots of data ai is the power of ai just graduated tenfold you know so that's what's happening and people are recognizing that There's a lot of mm -hmm. there's a lot of good uses. So imagine if you're in a warehouse and you're handling dangerous equipment, and say you're uh, a lumberjack, for example, you you you're you're using a saw every day of your life, and you know you've done it for 20 years. You you take it for granted that it, things come naturally for you, and there's a camera there recording that. Okay, this guy's possibly left that saw in a dangerous position. He's got to send an alert to the manager. The manager gets alerted that look, the you know the guy at the at the floor gets a call. Oh. My saw is kept in the wrong position, and that was done thanks to the camera behind me that alerted the manager because of the AI. You know, the machine recognized the positioning of the equipment, and it's it's, it's very simple it's like that, yeah, right? It's so it's, it's, there's a lot of so imagine the use cases: surgery. Necessary? You know, is it like really that necessary to be that extreme? I don't think it's about. See, you you look at what you, people look at as extreme. It's, it's evolution of technology, right? People will always find yeah. ways to improve their lives. So people will always find ways to improve their lives, right? And, and uh, you're improving life. You're saving lives. You're saving thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? With every life saved. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's perspective, hey? It's perspective, depending on how you want yeah. to look at it. Right. And uh, yeah. a lot of people are complaining about job losses. Thanks to AI. I think we're at least 50 years away from worrying about job losses. It's not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. No, I think we're definitely in an evolution state and especially with the pandemic. Um,